a little becomes a lot. When a little becomes a lot. In the book of John chapter 6, we see a story of Jesus multiplying five barley breads and two fish and fed 5,000 people, oh, 5,000 men. That means it was maybe 15,000 or 20,000 people because they did not count women and kids. Only two miracles are recorded everywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some miracles are in one book or two books, but this is one of the two that are recorded in all four Gospels. That's a big deal because one of them is resurrection. You find resurrection of Jesus in all four Gospels. We understand why it's a big deal. Without the the resurrection, Christianity is meaningless. So we get that. But why this one? It must be a big deal. It must be really something important because it's everywhere. It's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in Matthew, it's in John. All of them, all the people who wrote about Jesus' biography, all Jesus' biographers, biographers, I'm learning the accent, biographers, all of them recorded this miracle. So let's read it and see what it's all about and what are the lessons that God wants us to learn from this passage. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew that he was knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves of, and two fish, but what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, Help the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the son he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who was to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus knew that they were about to come and take him by, by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. I want to extract some lessons from this text. And the first lesson I want to bring to your attention here is don't assess your problem in the light of your resources. 
Do not judge, do not measure your problem in the light of your resources. A huge crowd was following Jesus. The big crowd. These people, we don't know if they loved Jesus or they loved what he did. I will assume that they loved the signs and the miracles and they knew that Jesus will perform miracles and maybe that will be the solution to their own problems. They were following the deeds. We don't know if they were in love with the personality or the person of Jesus, but we know they were in love with the deeds. Just like some of us, we, we love our celebrities, we love their skills, we love their talent, we love our, our favorite uh, actor or actress, musician or, or TV presenter. We love what they do, but we don't necessarily love the person. And these people were following Jesus. Jesus did not really mind that they don't love me as a person, they just love what I do, but he felt some compassion for them. And Jesus asked his disciples to feed them. He says, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread to so these people can eat? You know what? Philip was not even the one in charge of money. Why would Jesus ask someone who is not in charge of money to tell where to buy something? And, and, and Philip answered the question and said, we don't even enough, have enough money to feed them. So maybe Philip had some ideas of how the finances looked like. But we know that Jesus was testing Philip because he knew what he was about to do. Testing is not tempting. A test is when you check someone's knowledge or ability, while temptation is when you set a trap so that someone may fail or fall. That is temptation. God does not tempt you. He tests you to see how is your faith. So Philip was not tempted. He was tested. And he failed. Because he fixed his eyes on what they had and not who they had. He fixed his eyes on their bank account, on, their, on what they had. But someone who was not even asked a question, I don't know, this question was not asked to Andrew. It was a question to Philip, the Bible says. And Andrew came and improvised himself. And said, Father, uh, Lord, here is this young boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish. Thank God for Andrew. But Andrew, who asked you? <laughs> it seems like Andrew knew Jesus can do something. But he, 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 he didn't know how he will do it. Because what pushed Andrew to go and bring that boy? Something told Andrew, maybe he may do something. But, but let me just try. Even though the question was not addressed to me, let me try something. You know, Andrew was the same person who brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew is a bringer of people. 
is good at introducing people. He's an introducer of people. Andrew, in chapter 12, he brings some Greek, Greek people to Jesus. If you read John chapter 12, you'll see Andrew brought some people again. And here is Andrew bringing this young boy to Jesus. May God help you to bring someone to Jesus. And, and Andrew, as we think he may have an idea of what Jesus would do, he says, but what is this? But what are they for so many? Ah, it seems like Andrew doesn't believe. Philip doesn't believe. <laughs> they both don't believe. None of the disciples, even Andrew, did not believe. Because we often judge our problem in the light of our resources. That's what we do as human beings. That's what the disciples did. They failed the test. Jesus was not tempting them. He was testing them and they failed the tests. God did not promise to supply our needs in the light of our resources. This is what he says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to your pocket, not according to your bank account, according to his riches. Andrew forgot. Philip forgot. God asked Abraham to go and give away his son as a sacrifice. And Abraham took, took his son. He took uh, a knife. He took wood. He took fire. He took everything necessary to sacrifice his son. And he walked with his son, going to sacrifice him. And, and then the son asked, Dad, Dad, where is the sacrifice? Where is the thing? We are going, what is the animal? What is the lamb? Where, where, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, my God shall provide. Not according to what I have, but according to what he has. If even it means giving you away, he gave you to me. He will give me another you. Or he will resurrect you somehow. I don't know, but I trust him. It's not about what I have. It's about what he has, what he, who he is. I'm just trusting God. And Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. The Lord, our provider. Abraham was not looking at what he has. He was looking at what God has. And what, who God is. Is God your Jehovah Jireh? Is God your Jehovah Jireh? Do you see God as the provider for you? You know, Jehovah Jireh is our unlimited provision. When we learn to see God as our provision, you follow his voice, not looking at what you have, but looking at what he has. Because he is your provision. You don't look at your savings, your budgets, your networks, your connections, your education, your, your skills. You don't look at all these things when God asks you to do something. You trust his voice and do it. Because he is our provider. Those who trust God rely on his unlimited resources. Jehovah Jireh is our unlimited resource. 
Do not assess your problem in light of your resources. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't budget. I'm not saying that you, you should go and, and, and take a loan of $1 million uh, to buy a Lamborghini and expect God to pay according to his riches. That is not what I'm trying to tell the church. And this is why it will lead us to the second point. Don't expect Jesus to do what you can do. Jesus is God. He spoke the universe into existence. He spoke the universe. He called it. He said, let there be light. And it came into existence. He fed the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert. Breakfast, lunch, snacks, dinner, supper. For 40 years without them not having to do anything. No farming. Nothing. For 40 years. Do you know 40 years? Okay, okay. You remember, you remember 40 years. Some of you haven't been around for 40 years. You should ask me. I will tell you what happens in 40 years. Young people. 40 years is a long time. 40 years without having to farm, without having to do anything. God is just feeding you. And suddenly, instead of just calling bread into existence, he said, feed these people. Jesus saw himself in a situation where he could have done it. He could have called bread into existence. But he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson. So he said, I'll feed these people. Everything he does is for a purpose. When Andrew brought the kid with five loaves of bread and two fish, if I was Jesus, I would say, are you kidding me? I'm asking you to feed 20,000 people, you bring me two fish? But Jesus did not say that. Jesus took it. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's enough. That's enough. Bring it here. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Why? He was looking for their cooperation. He was looking for what they can do to make it happen. Just do something. He was looking for his disciples to do what humans can do so that he can do what only God can do. He knew that if they do their part, if they organize, I will bless, I will multiply. And then he asked them, before the multiplication, organize the people. Ask them to sit down. Before they sat the people down, they didn't know how many they were. It's only when they sat them down that when they counted them, that when they assessed the problem and knew how many people they're about to feed. Are you with me? Jesus asked them, sit the people down, organize them in groups so you may know how big the miracle will be. And when they sat, they did the organizing. They did what humans can do. They organized the people, put them down, sit them down, bring the five loaves and two fish, give them to Jesus. All that is the human. Then they knew, oh, we are about to feed 5,000 men. We have a big problem here. Now we know how many people we are about to feed. Apart from creation, Every miracle in the Bible involves the human and the divine. Every other miracle you will read in the Bible, someone did something and God came and breathed on it and the miracle happened. 
he asked Moses, lift up your hand, lift up your staff, and he divided the Red Sea. Last week we spoke about the man at the pool. He asked him, stand up. The standing was supposed to be the man's effort. Jesus could have pulled him to stand. He said, stand up. The man was supposed to make some effort to stand so that the miracle can happen. Always the divine and the human should collide for the miracle to happen. God will not organize a budget for me and you. God will not transfer money to your bank account even though he can do it and save it. It's up to you and I to save. God will not sit in class and read the books for you. I prayed for a long time for God to read the Bible for me. I was waiting for that day. And I was very spiritual those days. I knew he heard every thought of my mind. He heard every voice from my mouth. But he did not do it. Every time I read the Bible, I have to open it. It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. I want God to do it for me. He doesn't do the human for us. He expects us to do the human so he can do the divine. Listening to the lecture and reading your books is your responsibility if you are a student. Remembering answers, getting them right is God's job to remind you. But reading them, preparing for it is your job. If you are a business person, God will give you ideas. God will give you revelations of what to do. But making a business plan is on you. Putting it down is on you. If you are looking for a job, the favor to get a job is from God. But the character to maintain you there is on you. God wants us to participate. If you are expecting a miracle from God, ask yourself this question. What do I have? What do I have in my hand? What skills do I have? What talent do I have? What, what, what the little that I have with me that I can bring it to God? Don't minimize your talents by comparing to others. As little as they are, bring them to God as they are. Don't minimize because that's what the disciples did. That's what Andrew did. He said, but this, what is this? this? This can't do anything. So why did you bring it? Andrew, why did you bring it if you thought it was nothing? That is the issue with us. We minimize whatever God has put in our hand and look at, oh, look at him. He's got more. He can sing. He can draw. He can, oh, he's more talented than me. God is not asking us to compare ourselves to anyone. He's given something to you. That's small. That as small as it is, bring it to him. He will use it. He will use it. The miracle did not happen in Jesus' hand. Do you know that? If you read there, you will realize that they brought it to Jesus as a lunch. The boys' lunch. Or maybe dinner because it was getting late. Jesus thanked God about it. And then gave it back to the disciple as five loaves and two fish. The Bible says it's when the distribution started. That's when the miracle started to happen. There is a lesson there. 
you have something. You have a talent, you have a skill, you have an idea, you have something, you have an income, whatever you have. The miracle will not happen until you surrender it to Jesus, until you bring it to Jesus. But watch this. Jesus doesn't keep it. He gives it back to you. It will only be multiplied when you start using it. You surrender to Jesus, he gives it back to you, then wait. It will remain the same until you start using it. That's the principle in this scripture. That's what we are learning here. Jesus has given the church what the world needs. He has. It's only when we start giving out a way to the world that God is going to multiply it. The more we give, the more God will multiply. Jesus has given us what people in our lives need. It's our responsibility to use it. And God will multiply. Jesus has given us the talent, the skills, the blessing, and it's our responsibility to use them for his glory. It is our responsibility. You don't make more by keeping to yourself. You make more by utilizing. French came to my mind. Pray for your pastor. (laughs) Five languages are going through my mind. Utilizing what God has given to you. What is it that you are keeping to yourself? What is it that you know you can do, that you have, that you are keeping? You are saving it. You are saving it to yourself for tomorrow. This is for me and my children only. Ah, Okay, keep it to yourself. It won't be enough for you and your children. It will be enough when you start sharing it. And God will multiply it. What is the talent? What is skill? What, what, what do you have that you are keeping to yourself? It's only when you surrender it to Jesus. First, surrendering it to Jesus means you are using it for his glory. You are using whatever talent, whatever gift you have to glorify him. And then God will give it back to you and more and more. He will multiply it. What are those ideas you have? That God has given to you, surrender them to him. It's not about you. If God gives us blessings that's for us, then you don't need much. Why does God give you much? Because people around you need it. Because you need to be a blessing to people in your life. That's why God will bless that one with more. 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 Then expect them to share. God blesses you to bless disciples were not responsible for the miracle. They weren't responsible for the miracle. They did not make the miracle happen. But they did the organizing. When we do the organizing, God does the multiplying. The disciples organized. Are you organized? In, in your skills, are you training? Are you preparing for what God has for you? Are you organizing your finances for what's next? Are you organizing yourself for what's next? They did the organizing and God did the multiplying. But because they were not responsible for the multiplication, you need to remember the third lesson. Don't try to do what only God can do. Don't try to do what only God can do. Most of the time we get frustrated because we want to do the multiplying. 
We want to be God. We want to do what only God can do. We want to make things happen. And because they don't happen, we get frustrated. Why this is not happening? Why I've been investing in this? I've been doing that. Why is it not happening? The disciples participated in the miracle. But they were not responsible for it. Your participation does not make you responsible for the miracle. You just participate and trust God to do the rest. Our role is to bring the little to God and watch him bless it. Our role is to surrender it to God. It's important to know your limitations. It's, not, it's important to know how much you need to do and leave the rest in the hands of God. I always recommend that we do our best and leave the rest to God. Do your best and leave the rest to God. Don't try to make things happen all the time. You will get frustrated. You will get frustrated because you want it to happen now. You want it to happen now. You've done everything you could and you are pushing it to happen and it's not happening. And you are questioning God why it's not happening. Why, why, why? I have the skills. I have the education. I have the qualifications. And God, why not me? Why that person there? Why not now? Because I'm qualified to do it. And God is looking at you and saying, your problem is you are trying to do what only me can do. Leave it to me. I lived in Rwanda, Tanzania, Uganda, Australia, Congo. So I've lived in many places. I've been in so many countries and I've observed Christians, many Christians. And I, I saw that generally in the West, in the West, a normal standard Christian tries to do everything on their, on their own. They try to, f to plan and, and, and be in charge of what's on their lives, which is great. But it's one thing. In the East, including Africa, we try to give God everything. So in Africa, on the extreme side, um, a normal Christian sees demons everywhere. A normal Christian in Africa sees a demon under every rock. Just turn it, you'll see demon comes out. On the other extreme in, in the West, uh, we, we don't see demons at all. They don't exist. Like the spiritual realm in the West doesn't really exist. We trust our doctor more than we trust God. We trust our uh, accountant than what... Than how we trust God. So it's, it's another extreme. Uh, like we trust. God is a friend in the West. As long as I know he's in my life, I'm good. But I'm still responsible to make things happen. While someone will be praying in, in the East for everything. God, please brush my teeth. Hallelujah. Please come and brush them. God help us. <laughs> I, I believe that a healthy Christian faith is somewhere in the middle. I believe Jesus was teaching his disciples that not everything is my responsibility and not everything is your responsibility. You have what you can do. Bringing the boy to me is your responsibility. Organizing the people is your responsibility, but the power to multiply is mine. You can't do that. So in the Western culture, we forget that the power to multiply is in God's hand. 
and in the Eastern culture, we forget that we, we have to organize. So these are two conflicting uh, cultures, and when they meet, they, they conflict. Like you, you see these people telling that you are not spiritual enough, you are not organized enough, you are not spiritual enough, you don't plan. You will see that in their services, like the service from the beginning, Jesus is good, Jesus is good, and then we go home. What was the message today? I don't remember. It was good. It was great. The power of God was there. The power of God was there. All they want is experience, to experience God. And then the Western person, you come, you ask, uh, oh, what did you see the presence of God in the service? What is it? God is everywhere. No, 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 no. He doesn't manifest himself everywhere the same way. He doesn't. Sometimes you need to invite him to do something that only him can do. Sometimes God appears and does things that only him can do. And you need to watch him do it. And that's what Jesus was teaching them. There is a place in the middle here that you need to stay. Be mindful of what you should do as a, a human being and what God can do as the divine. And live in that tension. Always live in that tension. God, I've done my part. Please come and show up and do your part. Invite him to do his part. When you feel like you've done enough, remember God will do his part. He will show up and do his part. And wait until he does. Wait until he does. Abraham waited waited and waited and waited and waited it took him 25 years to wait for God to do his part he waited Sarah got to breastfeed as a 91 years old woman because she waited are you waiting let's do the organizing and let God do the multiplying what is in your hand? God asked Moses, what is in your hand? In Jesus' hand, give it to God. A little becomes a lot. Stop crying about what you don't have and praise God for what you have left. Praise God for what you have. What you have is enough for God to multiply. God specializes in things. That seem impossible. Quit worrying about it. Quit worrying about it. Quit stressing about it. Put it in Jesus' hand. And he will multiply it. When you put it in Jesus' hand, your little will become a lot.